Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're in the last chapter. And the passage that we're going to be studying today is not only something that is, was important for the Apostle Peter in his day, but is equally important for the church in our day. I love our church. And I'm so thankful to be here and to be your pastor and leader. And sometimes I am going to suggest that we do things differently. And it is my hope that when I do suggest that we do things, that they are biblical and necessary. Today we are going to learn about the importance of a plurality of elders, which I believe is both biblical and necessary. When I candidated to be the pastor of this church, I expressed some concerns to the deacons and to those who interviewed me um, in my interview process, and this was one of them. I hope that as we study God's word this morning that you not only see how God has organized leadership within the church, but that you also See that it is there so that the people of God are fed, protected, and loved by the God who made them. So please open your Bibles again to 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first four verses. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is God's word. Let's pray. Open our ears, O Lord, to hear your word and to know your voice. Speak to our hearts that we may Obey what you have said today, now, and always. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're nearing the end of this letter written by the Apostle Peter, and all throughout it, Peter has been teaching Christians who are scattered in many places. And these Christians feel like strangers in a foreign land. And he's been teaching them how to live on mission in a time and cultural context that was hostile to the gospel. And last week, we saw that suffering is normal and necessary for those who follow Jesus. And Peter ended the section we studied with, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Suffering was happening, and it was going to get worse. 
And so as Peter was encouraging all Christians to entrust themselves to a faithful creator and to pursue lives of holiness, he turns to the leaders of the church to remind them of their responsibility. If this suffering was going to come, then it would start with those who lead the church. And they would need to be prepared to care for the people that they had been entrusted with. And so in our passage this morning, Peter turns his attention to the elders who are among these elect exiles. And he says, I exhort the elders among you. The main point for my sermon this morning is pretty simple. Jesus shepherds his church through the ministry of elders. Jesus shepherds his church through the ministry of elders. The term elder here is not in reference to older people. Of course, that word could be used that way. Note, I got permission to say this. I could say someone like Dave DeHaan, who read our call to worship this morning, is an elder because he's older than me. But that's not who Peter is referring to. He's not writing to the elderly folks in the congregation. Here Peter is referring to those whom God has called to be leaders in the local church. In the New Testament, we find two primary offices in the local church. Elders and deacons. In 1 Peter chapter 5, our passage this morning, and in Acts chapter 20, we clearly see that the role of elders is to shepherd or pastor and oversee the church. And then in Acts chapter 6, we see this division of labor in the church. There was this dispute between the Greek and Hebrew widows about the food that was being distributed among them. And so the disciples gather the whole congregation together and they say it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God. We need help. We need someone to serve the tables. And so seven men who were the first deacons are elected to serve the physical needs of the church in order that the elders could devote themselves to the spiritual needs of the church through the ministry of the word and prayer. And so to be crystal clear here, deacons serve the physical needs of the church and elders serve the spiritual needs of the church. Deacons serve to care for the physical and financial needs of the church and they do so in a way that supports the leadership of the elders. Without the practical service of the deacons, the elders will not be free to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Elders need deacons. Elders need deacons to serve practically. And deacons need elders to lead spiritually. The church cannot function properly without both elders and deacons. The qualifications for elders and deacons are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. These qualifications are pretty similar other than the fact that elders should be able to teach. We won't get into most of that since we're focusing here on the text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, 
But it's clear from the New Testament that these two offices must exist if that church wants to desire, or if that church desires to obey the scriptures. And notice in our passage this morning, Peter writes to the elders. The elders. He's not writing to a single elder, but a plurality of elders. In fact, consistently in scripture, when elders are mentioned, it's in the plural form. All the New Testament writers who refer to elders assume that a number of elders are present in that very congregation. When Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Titus was to appoint multiple elders in every town. In James chapter 5, verse 14, the person who is sick and needs prayer is encouraged to call upon the elders, plural, of the church for prayer and anointing. Having a plurality of godly elders, which is designed by the Lord, provides more ministry care. So if we look back at the book of Exodus and think of Moses, Moses was judging the people. And he had this heavy load of ministry. And his father-in-law, Jethro, suggests that Moses appoint godly men to share that load of ministry. This is what a plurality of elders does. Of course, not all the elders are uh, full-time paid staff. And so the time and the ability that they're able to give varies. But they're able to share the load. A plurality also offers wisdom, and it safeguards. Proverbs 11.14 says that in an abundance of counselors is safety. A plurality of godly and gifted leaders enriches the church since God doesn't give all spiritual gifts to one man. Calvary, at the moment, does not have a plurality of elders who function as we see in the New Testament. Pastor Scott and I are pastor elders, and the deacons are the ones who are currently fulfilling the role of both elders and deacons. Historically, Baptist churches have had a plurality of elders. In the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, it recognized both elders and deacons, Charles Spurgeon's The Metropolitan Tabernacle had elders and deacons. And even the first SBC president, W.B. Johnson, said that the plurality of elders is of great importance for the edification of the flock. But over the last 120 years, the prevalent leadership model in Baptist circles has been a single pastor elder supported by multiple deacons. But churches who follow what the Bible says should be congregationally governed. So don't get me wrong. Congregationally governed. Yet led by a plurality of elders who are freed up to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer by deacons who serve under their leadership. It's not okay for our deacons to wear two hats. 
We need both a plurality of elders and deacons. Elders who care for the spiritual needs of the church and deacons who care for the physical and financial needs of the church. I don't want to lead this church on my own. We've seen many pastors over the last couple of years who ran their churches into the ground because their ministry depended on themselves. God didn't design it that way. God designed the church to be shepherded by a plurality of elders. All right, let's look back at the text. Peter says, I exhort the elders and then does something interesting. Instead of mentioning his authority as an apostle, like he did at the beginning of this letter, he identifies himself as a fellow elder. Peter has an idea what these guys are going through and probably what they're going to go through. He knows that hard days are ahead. And so in solidarity, he says, we're in this together. I'm a fellow elder. I'm writing to you as an elder amongst other elders. He gets on their level and then continues by saying, I'm a witness to the sufferings of Christ and a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. It's possible that Peter is saying that he was an eyewitness to the sufferings of Jesus. He was. While he probably wasn't there for the crucifixion of Jesus, he definitely witnessed Jesus suffer during his life leading up to his death. But if Peter's writing as a fellow elder, and in light of what he said in chapter 4, Peter is most likely saying that he is one who bears witness about the sufferings of Christ as he shares the gospel. This is the task of an elder. This is the task of any Christian to proclaim the gospel centered on Christ's sufferings. We constantly bear witness to the redemptive suffering of Jesus on behalf of sinners. And as a result of sharing the gospel to the church and those outside the church, we experience persecution. We experience opposition. We share in the sufferings of Christ. And so Peter reminds them of being witnesses to the sufferings of Christ, but also of being a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Just as Jesus suffered and his life didn't end in defeat and death, but in victorious resurrection and ascension into glory, believers follow the same path. We will suffer here on this earth as we live and proclaim the name of Jesus, as we live lives of Christians, but we are promised to be partakers of the glory in the future. Christians who have been born again have a living hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What a great reminder to all the elders that they are forgiven sinners. We all kneel at the cross of Christ. A shepherd is first a sheep. No Christian leader is self-qualified morally or spiritually. No one deserves to lead the church. But Jesus forgives and he appoints 
and qualifies his leaders and elders. And so Peter writes as a fellow elder, reminding his fellow elders of his witness to the sufferings of Christ and the promise that they too will partake in the glory to come. He raises the thoughts of these men. He's helping them set their minds on the things above and not the things of this earth so that they're reminded that their leadership role in the church is a privilege and honor to serve the Lord. Remember, Peter is exhorting these men. He's encouraging them, and he's urging them to do something. And so what are elders called to do? Take a look at verse 2. Peter exhorts these elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among them and exercise oversight. In the New Testament, the words elder, shepherd, pastor, bishop, and overseer are used interchangeably to refer to the same local church office. In Acts chapter 20, where Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders, the same men are referred to as elders, over-shepherds, overseers, and shepherds in a span of 12 verses. And in our text today, we see the same thing. A pastor is an elder, and an elder is a pastor. A pastor is an overseer and a bishop. You get the point, right? They all refer to the same thing, but please do not call me bishop. (laughs) Elders are pastors who shepherd and lead the church. There may be some of us who hear that word elder and we almost cringe. You think of a church board, people who just meet once a month to advise the pastor. They do some administrative work. But according to Peter and the rest of the New Testament, this isn't what elders do. Elders pastor or shepherd the flock. Paul says the same thing in Acts chapter 20. Elders are the ones who shepherd and oversee the church. Alexander Strauss makes the point that since the two preeminent apostles, Peter and Paul, charge elders and no other person or group to shepherd God's flock, we can conclude that in biblical terms, the elders are responsible for pastoral oversight over the local church. Elders shepherd the flock. And this shepherd imagery is found all over the Bible. You guys studied Psalm 23 just a little while back. The Lord is the shepherd and his people are the sheep. Think about sheep for a second. Sheep are difficult and they're prone to wander off. It takes a lot of work to look after sheep. A little while ago, Diane, watched, Diane and I watched this program about farming, and a couple episodes were about this farmer who purchased sheep. The amount of care that sheep need is crazy. It almost seems like this farmer gave up the rest of the farm in order to care for the sheep. He fed them. He took care of their injuries and diseases. He ran after the ones that were wandering off. Those were the best scenes. Watching this guy, just a bigger guy, he's just running after all these sheep, telling them not to go that way, this way. 
He was there for the birth of the baby sheep. And there came a time when two of the sheep died. And the look on the shepherd's face was complete sadness. He loved these sheep. Yes, they controlled the weeds in the grass. They produced wool and food. But when these sheep died, the shepherd's focus was not on the fact that he lost something that, that provided for his farm. No, he was sad because he loved them. Shepherds love sheep. And the Bible describes God's people like sheep. Like sheep, we are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. We are difficult. We often forget and we're led astray. Peter reminds us in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 25, that we all were strained like sheep, but Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the tree in order that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then he says, we have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verses 11 through 15 says this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. But don't you find it interesting that Peter describes Jesus as the shepherd and overseer of our souls and then exhorts the elders to shepherd and exercise oversight over the flock of God. Elders in the church follow the example of Christ who laid his life down for his people and they are to do the same. The words flock of God remind the elders that the congregation does not belong to them. It is God's church, and they are given the privilege and responsibility of shepherding. God is our shepherd, and we are his sheep, and he gives us under-shepherds. God promises this back in Jeremiah chapter 3, 15. 15, he says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And Peter received this great call to shepherd the sheep from Jesus. After his denial of Jesus, Peter was restored. And in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, we have this interaction between Peter and Jesus. Jesus said, Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? But Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Those who are under shepherds love Jesus and shepherd his sheep. The call to shepherd the flock involves elders who feed, who guard, who guide and protect. Otherwise, the sheep will be vulnerable to starvation. They'll be vulnerable to attack, to wandering and injury. Shepherds feed the sheep the word of God. They are not called to entertain people or tell them only what they want to hear. No, they preach and teach the word of God. Shepherds provide leadership for making sound decisions for the congregation. They address difficulties and problems. They protect the church from infighting and false doctrines. They grow the flock. They pray for the sheep. They visit, they counsel, they marry, and bury the sheep. This is a serious task. The flock the elders are called to shepherd are precious to God. They're so precious to God that they have been purchased by the blood of God's own son. That's what Paul says in Acts 20. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Elders don't sit in comfortable chairs once a month to discuss church things. They are to shepherd and exercise oversight. They are to be involved in the lives of their people. A shepherd smells like sheep. I've been praying about this for myself, that I would smell more like sheep than my old commentaries. They know the sheep like the chief shepherd. Elder shepherds teach the word of God so that the sheep hear the voice of the good shepherd. In verses 2 through 3, contrasts are drawn. We see Peter explaining how elders should not behave in contrast to how they should behave. How they shepherd matters. Due to this heavy responsibility that elders have, due to the suffering that they and their people face, the stress of ministry can boil up and make them forget what they are called to do. They could be tempted to abuse their position in the church. And so Peter points out these three things. First, he says, shepherd and exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. 
Ministry should not be an unwanted burden. Pastors and elders are not supposed to serve under a false sense of guilt or fear or attempt to please people. Instead, they should be willing to have a strong desire to care for God's flock. A similar thought is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul says, if anyone aspires to the office of an overseer or an elder, he desires a noble task. It is God's will for men in the local church to desire to be elders, to desire to be willing, to be willing to care for and love God's flock. The willing shepherd embraces God's will and makes it his own. Those who serve only because they feel like they have to will lose their joy and the church will suffer as a consequence. As a church, we should be praying for our future elders who don't just care for you because they have to, but because they love you. Second, Peter says, shepherd and exercise oversight not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Most of us can think of church leaders who ignored this warning and leveraged their position for their own gain. Elders should not lead out of a desire for gain or greed. It's biblical and important that the pastor elders of the church who are full-time or part-time staff to be paid by the church and should be compensated fairly and generously. But making money should never be the main motive for those who serve in full or part-time ministry. That's one of the qualifications that Paul gives us, that an elder should not be a lover of money. But the word shameful game doesn't always mean money. An elder paid or unpaid could use their position to promote their own interests at the expense of others. That desire for influence and attention is dangerous. When aspiring to be an elder, you should not desire to be called an elder, but you should be eager to care for God's flock. What's in it for me should never come across the mind of an elder. Third, Peter says to shepherd and exercise oversight, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The third contrast we see in these verses is that elders should not use their authority as an opportunity to oppress those underneath them. The office of elder is not an office of control. The office of elder is not an office of control. It's an office for caring for souls. God wants men who are gentle without being weak, patient without being indifferent, men who will be examples to the flock of what godliness looks like, when people look at the elders of a church, they should see Jesus. When considering more elders for our church in the future, we should ask, does this man remind me of Jesus? 
Is he setting an example that I would want my future children to follow? Hebrews 13, 17. Reminds us that leaders in the church will give an account for how they cared for those under them. The Lord takes leadership in the church seriously. And so should we. Elders should be willing and eager to shepherd and exercise oversight. And as they follow in the example of the good shepherd, by laying down their lives sacrificially for those among them. They are to be examples of the flock. And then before addressing the rest of the church, Peter gives these elders encouragement. Look at verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What motivates an elder to shepherd and exercise oversight over the flock of God? What motivates them to be willing and eager? Or what should motivate them? The promise of glory when the chief shepherd appears. The only reward elders should strive for is the well done spoken by the Savior and the unfading crown of glory that goes with it. There's a lot of weight that elders carry. They're entrusted with the sheep whom Christ has died for. The people of God struggle with unbelief, sickness, fear, suffering, isolation, loneliness, and all these things threaten the spiritual health of the church and the elders are the ones who are responsible to care for them. And so Peter says, as a fellow elder, shepherd the flock and focus on the fact that when Jesus comes back, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. At the end, when all things are made new, when sin is no more, Jesus will place a crown on the heads of elders. And as they think back on their lives and think of the grace that they received, though many times they failed, that crown is going to feel so awkward. We don't think, we won't think, yeah, I deserve this crown. We will say, this is too much. I don't deserve this. And what will we do? We will cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus and praise him. Because he is our reward. And in these four, four short verses, we've seen that Jesus is the head of the church. And he doesn't leave his people in darkness. He doesn't leave us trying to find innovative ways to lead and grow in our faith. He has assigned these biblical offices to be his representatives here on this earth in the local church. There is no greater calling or duty than to lead and serve the bride of Christ. 
I know this. So please pray for the leadership here at Calvary. Pray for Pastor Scott and I. Pray for the deacons. You have two elders here in this church, but I'm being transparent with you. We need more elders. We need more non-staff elders, lay elders. This is biblical and healthy. My desire is that godly men would be raised up to be elders here at Calvary and lead and shepherd this church. Just to be clear with everybody, there's nothing happening behind the scenes right now. But as the pastor of Calvary, I desire that sometime in the future, we change our church constitution to include the offices that we see in the Bible. I desire to see our church continue to grow in obedience to God's word. We still have to do that. If you have any questions or concerns, please come see me, come see Pastor Scott or the deacons. I would love to talk through these things with you. We don't want to rush into these things. But may we be a church that raises up men to be elders here at Calvary. And maybe who are sent off to other churches to be elders at other churches. The church of Jesus Christ flourishes under the leadership and care of Jesus, the chief shepherd. And he has made elders his hands and his feet in the local church. Jesus shepherds his church through the ministry of elders. We need more godly men who point us to Jesus. We don't need those who know how to run a nonprofit well. We don't need successful businessmen. We need men to point us to the cross of Christ, men who know their need for a savior and point us to him. Your pastors are imperfect men. We are not exempt from error or failings. We are imperfect under shepherds of the perfect shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd who laid his life down for you in order that you would be saved from your sins, who loves you, who is watching over you and bringing you into the green pastures of his eternal glory is the one to truly look to. He has never and will never fail to shepherd and oversee his flock. He has never and will never fail to shepherd with eager willingness. He has never and will never fail as a perfect example. He laid his life down for you. Look to Jesus with me as we pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. And we pray that you would help us to obey it. We are thankful for Jesus, the chief shepherd whose life, death, and resurrection has provided salvation for our sins, new life, and a living hope. We are thankful that Jesus is the head of the church. And Lord, we pray for the current leadership here at Calvary that you would continue to lead us and guide us. May we be a church that is obedient to your word. And as we obey, Lord, that you would bless us. 
that you would grow us spiritually and grow us in numbers. We pray that we would be a church that raises up godly men to be shepherds of your flock. We pray for the future leaders of this church and Lord willing churches that we plant, that our discipleship of them would start in that nursery and be raised up through children's church and through the youth group. We are thankful for the leadership that you have designed in the church. Help us to obey and pray for those who lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.